John 3.16 is probably one of, if not the best known passage of Scripture in all of the New Testament, but many people don't know what comes before or after John 3.16. And, you know, today as we hear these 21 verses, we hear that, you know, long before we were dealing with uh, the dangers of the world today, uh, the menacing threats around us, that uh, these things have been ever present. <laughs> I mean, Cain killed Abel. <laughs> and even uh, when Christ walked the earth, um, it was a dangerous time. When he went home to Nazareth to worship in the synagogue, uh, some of the people tried to kill him. They tried to throw him over a cliff. And here, leading up to John 3.16, we've got uh, Nicodemus, but he knows it's dangerous to be seen with Christ, so he has to come at nighttime. And I'm sure he didn't come when there was uh, a snow moon like we had last night, because you could see everything last night, huh? But he comes under cover of darkness uh, to have this encounter with Jesus. So let's listen to the word of the Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time? into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who was born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we've seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have life everlasting." Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil, for all who do evil, hate the light, and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the gospel of our Lord. 
Amen. Last week, we meditated on God's presence. If you weren't in worship, if you're visiting for the first time, that sermon, like all of our messages, are posted on the website. You can go to our website, scroll down the homepage, and see the sermon recording for last week. I suggest you give that a listen, because today's message on God's promise uh, builds into His presence. Uh, They're connected, you see. He promises to be present, and His presence is a promise for all time. So let's think about promises today and how hard it is sometimes to trust anyone's promise. (laughs) A young boy stands by the window. He's waiting like he's waited so many times before because on this day, this Saturday, his father promised to show up and take him to the movies, just the two of them. But like so many times before, something came up So the boy waits and watches, hoping and praying that his mother's cell phone won't ring, but it does. And by now, he knows the script. He knows what his father will say when mom hands him the phone. He's heard it too many times before. I'm sorry, son, something came up. I can't make it. But I promise to make it up to you somehow. Next month, we'll we'll do something together. Just the two of us, okay? And the boy says, sure, Dad. Sure. Whatever. Promises made. Promises broken. And a little boy, like so many children, come to believe that promises, even promises from your own mother or father, really don't mean much at all. A husband and wife sit in the counseling office. They were high school sweethearts who married like everyone knew they would. Back then, they were inseparable, always holding hands, always meeting at one another's locker between classes at school, never wanting to be far apart. But that was over 20 years ago, and things are different now. She can't remember the last time their hands touched, and he can't remember the last time they talked to each other without it escalating into an argument. Somehow, they drifted apart. And when that unfamiliar distance between them seemed far too wide, their marriage vows were broken. Some would call it a mistake. Others call it an indiscretion. The Bible calls it brokenness and sin. Promises made. Promises broken. And a couple in their 40s wonder if their marriage can be saved. And if their promises, if the vows they made before family, friends, and God mean anything at all. He was known as a dedicated professional with 25 years of good service under his belt. His co-workers thought the world of him. His neighbors knew him as a dedicated family man, a man of faith who went to church with his wife and children every single Sunday, even went to church in the middle of the week. But all that changed when one Robert Hansen 
was arrested, this FBI agent turned Russian spy, sold our nation's secrets to Moscow in return. He received over $1.4 million in diamonds and cash payments. When he was arrested just a few years after I started my ministry here at Faith back in 2001, he asked, what took you so long? He pleaded guilty to 15 counts of espionage and conspiracy for passing along classified information in a time frame that spanned 20 years. He's now prisoner number 48551-083, serving 15 consecutive life sentences at a federal prison just up in Colorado in solitary confinement 23 hours a day. What he did impacted many of my friends who went on to work for the Bureau and members of this congregation who did the same. Promises made and promises broken. Hansen broke his promises. He was a traitor. He wasn't the first. And history and human nature tell us that he probably will not be the last. So a young boy has been disappointed too many times. Talk to him about promises, and he'll tell you they don't mean much because he's learned well from his dad. For when you trust, when you believe promises, you wind up getting your feelings hurt. A young couple's marriage did not turn out to be, and they lived happily ever after. Talk to them about promises, and they'll weep with disappointment and heartache. They will speak of shattered dreams. Promises don't mean much. An FBI agent betrays his country. Uh, When he started his job, he had lifted his right hand and made a solemn vow to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. But he broke those promises, didn't he? Talked to his family. They've been interviewed. And they'll speak of their shame and embarrassment. Talked to his colleagues in the FBI, and they will speak of their outrage, their their reprehension. It's not difficult, is it? To understand these feelings when people are betrayed when promises are broken. I think you have the capacity to empathize with the boy, the married couple, the family and the co-workers of the FBI spy. I think you have the capacity, and I know that some of you have experienced the consequences of such disappointment and dishonesty on a personal and even a professional level. It's not hard to have a sense of righteous indignation when trust is violated and promises are not kept. It's easy to feel angry, isn't it, when someone entrusted with great responsibility violates that trust and harms those he is supposed to protect. And if only, brothers and sisters, if only promises made and promises broken were out there. 
if only dishonesty and betrayal could be isolated to just a few you know, other people. If only we could think about unkept promises and dishonesty as someone else's problem. For when we think about a boy looking out the window for a dad who never shows up, when we think about a husband or wife who's been unfaithful, when we think about a dishonest employee, it might just come too close. We may have never committed adultery. We may never have traded secrets to the Soviets for diamonds and cash. But when we come into this house of the Lord, we acknowledge that we are sheep who've all gone astray, who need the great shepherd to bring us home, and that not one of us has been 100% honest 100% of the time with ourselves, with those around us, or even God. Well, the national security may not have been jeopardized, but what about those lies that we were taught in youth to call white. You know, let's call that dishonesty. Let's call that lack of integrity a white lie. Does that, does that make it holy that it's dressed in white? A lie is a lie. And what about the things that have been done in secret and kept hidden from spouses, parents, children, teachers, coaches, We call things half-truths, which one of my teachers in junior high said is uh, therefore a half-lie, and then pressed us to think if there's any truth at all to anything that's a half-lie. Some go to jail for not keeping their promises. Their guilt is a matter of public record. Others will not live behind bars, but they have to live each day with the knowledge that a trust was betrayed, a vow was violated, a promise was broken. Their guilt has not gone public, but they carry it with them every day. And it's into this world of lies at the macro and the micro level. Lies that cause great harm, and everyone can see it, and lies that cause harm most of all to the liar. That God has made his passion, his presence, and his promise of mercy known. And God does this in Jesus. God keeps his promise and makes the word of truth known in Christ. And from the start, there were promises broken among his sin-sick children, his chosen disciples. Judas betrayed The Lord with a kiss, not for diamonds, but a few pieces of silver. Peter promised that he would die for his rabbi, but he denied that he even knew Christ when the heat got turned up after his arrest. But Judas' betrayal and Peter's denial could not stop God from loving and dying for all of us.
and promising us eternal life. We teach in the new member class that we're Christians first and Lutherans second. And we should all stand by that. Martin Luther was very upset that people were calling themselves Lutherans. He said, call yourselves Christians, but the the name stuck. So we're Christians first, and our our Lutheranism is just a second or maybe even a, a tertiary modifier, adjective of how we follow Jesus. But, you know, I will say this. I'm, I'm thankful to be a Lutheran because our theology is spot on. We begin with the fact that we're all in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. Worship is not to entertain an audience. And worship is not to sugarcoat or put a cover in front of the cross where Jesus died for sinners like you and me. God loves you and God loves me. Amazing grace. In spite of our shortcomings. Betrayals, denials, dishonesty. Even our lies. The big bold ones and the the little ones we call small and white. And unlike Judas and Peter, unlike all of us, God's word is always truth. God knows no half-truths or white lies. When he makes a promise, that promise is for keeps. The promise is unbreakable, and that promise is everlasting. And so here's the promise of Almighty God to you, who simply trust in the name of Jesus, you will have eternal life. Your heart may be breaking, your dreams may be shattered, your body may be racked with disease, but nothing in all creation can break God's promise to be with you and for you forever. He's called you by name. He knows your weaknesses and my own. He's well acquainted with all your faults. He knows mine as well. And he loves us unconditionally. And he's made us his own. And that is not something we've earned or deserved. And Martin Luther got that right. God's promise is not dependent on your purity and holiness. And I thank the Lord it's not dependent on my own. God's promise is dependent on God. And God's promise is truth. No matter how you've been betrayed or lied to, no matter how many times you've been disappointed, you can trust God's promise to you. Others may have let you down. We, we may have let ourselves down. But God never will. Your Father in heaven, through Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, has made a promise to you. He's given you his word to never let you go. You have life, eternal life in Jesus' name. Because the God of heaven and earth has said so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.